Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A dream mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I'm a Dream Mason, a performance and mindfulness coach. I work with leaders, creators, and innovators, those brave enough to build their dreams. If you're a high performer looking for an edge with a desire to expand your leadership, generate more money, more time, and feel more fulfilled, working with me can support you in making that life a reality. Now, if you haven't already, please support me and this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and share this podcast with a friend. All right, I am really excited to introduce to you guys Tara Mackey. I am so grateful and fortunate to have her be a guest today on the Dream Mason podcast. She's a two-time author, a best-selling author of the book Cured by Nature. She's a very successful entrepreneur and the founder of Genetics and Organic Skincare Line. She's also the writer and creator behind The Organic Life, a very highly regarded and popular blog. Something that is very interesting and unique about Tara is... The irony between the fact that she was born on illegal drugs, became reliant on prescription drugs, but is now using the personal pain that she suffered in her life to help others. Tara has talked about her story all over the place. You can find interviews with her all over the internet. We kind of create a different conversation today and spend a little less time in the past and more focus on the future. So in this episode, we talk about using your personal pain to help others. We talk about the difference between chasing happiness and accomplishing goals. We also talk about panic, despair, depression, and learning how to not give your power away and the challenges of choice anxiety. I know you guys are going to take a ton away from this episode. I would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback. Let's jump into it. I am excited to introduce you to Tara Mackey. You know, I think your story about like where you came from mm-hmm. and how you got here. Yeah. You want to just give that kind of a quick version of that? Totally. And then... Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was born on drugs. My mom did drugs when she was pregnant with me. She did drugs um, after I was born when she was raising me as a single parent. So it started off with mostly alcohol, cigarettes, cocaine, um, and then slowly transitioned to heroin. And she overdosed in front of me when I was six. And uh, my grandparents got custody of me. And then um, my mom actually got sober for two years and then relapsed in front of me again when I was 12. And about a month later, I got sent to um, a child psychiatrist and put on my first drug, which was an adult dosage of a drug called lithium. Yeah, wow. And then the next year, I was put on an ADD medication. And the next year, I was, or that same year, I was switched from lithium to a drug called Lamictal. And then um, 
by the time high school was over, I was probably on six different drugs. And then by the time college was over, I was probably on 10. And then by the time I was 24, I was on 14. Um, so yeah, it escalated quickly and slowly, weirdly enough. You know, at the same time, it's like, first you just go on one and then the next thing you know, mm -hmm. 11 years later, you're on... Well, it's ironic, right? Because you left a situation where you were in like around drugs that mm -hmm. are illegal drugs. Right. And then you go to a situation where you're on legal drugs, which... Yeah, their prescri prescription, literally, yeah. for helping me deal with what I had seen my mom go through on yeah. illegal drugs and even legal, like alcohol, you know, which is totally legal, but can destroy your life very quickly. Um, their solution for that was to put me on, on pharmaceuticals. Yeah. which are just synthetic drugs. And so the irony of that you know, didn't hit me until many years later, but no. definitely um, has kind of become the pinnacle of, of my life and what I do because you know, I've been off of them um, for seven years and every single day that I wake up and don't need them, it occurs to me that I never needed them to begin with. And so if I didn't need them, who else is taking them and doesn't need them? Yeah, the thing we were talking about this before, and it kind of reminds that brings me right to the like the I'm broken conversation. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I want to. I we talked about this really intentionally, like to create a new conversation. Yeah. Because you've told your story a million times. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about it different. Don't because, say that if you've heard it before, because we're well, talking about a little. You know, I want to definitely. I want to touch on it, but I think it's also important to bring home the. The, yeah, the reason why I'm here. Because sometimes yeah. I feel like a lot of when I when I do interviews and stuff, it's focused on the past, and then we don't always get around to okay, how did you? Yeah, and I really it? want to talk about the future yeah. because mm -hmm. I think look, the past for all of us has happened. Yeah, and we can learn from it. We can be a victim to it, right? Or we can actually make something happen in the future. Yep. So what's before we like really dive into the I'm broken? What is the vision or the goal for the future? So my large vision is to help as many people as possible, billions of people. I mean, that's really the goal um, because more people are born every single day. And so, you know, more people need help every single day. And for me, it's just about making the largest impact. And I don't think it's unrealistic to think that, I mean, I have friends who've impacted billions of people. Like it's, it's not unrealistic to me anymore to have that as a goal. And yeah. so um, that's really, when I do anything now, that's, that's kind of the intent behind it. And everything's only unrealistic until somebody does it. Right. right. <laughs> Once your friends have done it, you're like, well, how come I have an effect of two billion people? Where was I at? Well, and then what's, <laughs> if you were to do it, what's the thing that you get from impacting a billion, two billion people? I mean, look, even if you impacted a million people or two million people, it right. would be huge. Yeah. You've actually already had an impact. <laughs> So like we could step over that you've written you've written two books yeah. you have an organic skincare line like you already have impacted people yeah yeah blog hits alone are in the millions which is like crazy wow. for me and I don't think I I really take as much inventory of what that means as I should which is that yeah I've already impacted millions of people and and so I think that's also what why the goal has become larger is like yeah. okay I've already done this and it doesn't feel like it's enough and so I think um, that's really what I'm after is to feel like my pain had a purpose because if I'm doing all of this and I'm able to help people in a larger way with some of the worst things that have ever happened to me, yeah. like that gives all that a purpose. And so, you know, almost selfishly, like I, it's sort of for me because the more people I affect, it's like therapy for me, you know, the more, 
I feel like what I went through can either prevent someone from going through it or give them the coping mechanisms to go through it themselves yeah. or prevent them from making a decision that may have led them to going through it. Like, I think as a human on this earth, that's like one of the most incredible things you can do is prevent someone from having to go through a painful experience or give them the tools to deal with it when they do. Is there an end to it though? Like, does it get, I, I described to you before how like with me, every goal I hit, it's like the end zone just steps a little further, right? right? And I think I talk about this a lot about happiness. People yep. that are chasing happiness, yep. happiness is always a line that keeps moving mm -hmm. because we can't just be happy all the time. That's not a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> but we can accomplish goals. Right. But if our, if our goals, if the thing that makes us feel good about our goals is constantly this need for more and more and more, mm -hmm. then it never ends. Right. So how do you get to a place where you would be like actually satisfied and fulfilled I mean, I'll be doing this work for the rest of my life. And I think that's the cool thing about writing books is that they live on forever. They're your mm -hmm. legacy, right? And so what I love, like, old school books and even old school TV shows like The Twilight Zone and, and, and like, Star Trek and things where, like, some of the people in that are dead. But, like, I'm watching <laughs> it. You know, like, a lot in the, in the Twilight yeah. Zone, like, most of them are gone, you know? But, but it lives on through these other mediums. And every time I read a book, most of my favorite authors are dead. You know what I mean? So it's like... But their messages have affected me long after they're gone. And so I think the more you can do things that have a lasting impact, like make music and write books and do things that are true legacies that, yeah. you know, my books are in the Library of Congress, like they live on forever. And the that's more insane. you can do that is like, that's how you really feel like you're having an impact because hopefully I'll be able to still be affecting people 35 years after I die. Like that's the real goal. Like I don't think there is an end for me to it. What's, so if we get, what's the thing you get from it actually? Mm. The, the, we're going to say it's selfish, right? <laughs> but it's not actually selfish right. because it's not, it's not like you're, I would say selfish is if you were saying I'm writing a book and secretly it's bullshit, Yeah. but right. I'm going to make a bunch of money. That would be selfish. Right. right. But you're actually using your pain, your experiences, your, the wealth of knowledge. You just told me that you read your first Tony Robbins book at seven years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're using, you're actually bringing all of you and, and supporting and helping people. Yeah. So there's nothing selfish about it, but you do get something for it. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a purpose. I think it's a feeling of purpose and it's a, it's a therapy, you know, like I don't, um, part of the reason why I do it is definitely it gives me a feeling of satisfaction to make someone's life easier. Um, and it gives me a sense of life purpose to feel like things I've gone through can positively impact other people. Even if when I was going through them, they were some of the shittiest, lowest points of my life. Like that to me, I think is the point. And then also when I go through painful things, it makes it easier because I already have that perspective of this has a purpose. I'm going to turn this into something. And that's, yeah. that's, I think different, even like my story now, you know, when we talk about me coming off of pharmaceutical drugs or cutting toxic people out of my life or the whole beginning of my journey that I'm so many people are very focused on and I understand why because it was the catalyst for everything however like that was just the beginning for me and I feel like what's really important is that every time I've done it it's gotten easier every single time and it's given anytime I still it's not like I stopped going through things after that experience like my you know <laughs> my adoptive father passed away four years ago and I've had friends die and 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 get sick and and family stuff and just you know we never and relationship stuff and like we never stop going through stuff but I think the point is, is that at some point you have the tools, hopefully, to deal with it. 
And um, that's really the, the larger purpose for me is every single time I deal with it, it gets easier next time. And then no matter what I'm going through, I'm like, well, this has some kind of purpose. I don't have, I, I either haven't had the time or the perspective to see what it is yet, but, but I'm not. And then that feeling of hopelessness just never shows up because that's what hope is, is the feeling that even if you're going through the worst thing in your life, it has a place. And so, um, and that's the ingredient that was missing in my life for so, so very long. I think there's, um, it's who you're going to be about it, right? Mm Because we're never going to stop life from happening. Right. If I I was thinking about this the other night where the world we live in is, there's seasons, right? There's four Mm -hmm. seasons and they're not all the seasons. Well, here in California, the seasons are (laughs) basically the same. But if we lived anywhere else in the world, there's four seasons and winter comes and storms come and all these things happen. Right. And that's actually our life. We're organic. Like right? even the or even the environment knows Everything. how it works. Yeah. Even the universe knows how it works, right? Like we live in this perfect planet and so many of these things are possible because this organic matter has somehow come together divinely and stuff. But even still, the earth knows it has to go through seasons to really for it things died. to bloom. Yeah, yeah. You know? and it has a whole season where everything just dies. Yeah. But yeah. if even we... out here it does. The only reason it doesn't happen is because we water the <laughs> shit out of everything and then wonder why we have a drought. <laughs> like... what, what I heard in what you were saying was it's like all the things that happened supported you to get here. Yeah. And then all the things that will happen, you're actually just kind of setting yourself up to be able to be the person you want to be in spite of those things or despite those things. Yeah, and be able to deal with them in a, in a rational way. Like my, for the longest time, my number one reaction to everything was panic, which turns into despair and depression and all those other lovely things that, you know, contribute to you basically not being able to make yeah. a straight decision about what the next choice is. And then once that happens over many, many years, you're looking at a life that, doesn't make any sense to you and you're wondering why and it's like because you gave your power away day one and then you've never taught yourself how to take it back and I know because I did it for 25 years I've only you know once once it balances out once I've done it the other way for another 25 years maybe I can feel like I've I don't know lived some kind of like I'm you know perfect but I nobody is and I feel like the but the more you give in to the good choices the easier everything becomes What's the thing you're going through right now that's the most challenging? Ooh, I think accepting my true power, which is weird because it's like the subtitle of my book, right? But we all like have this resistance to it. And, um, and I think accepting just like I have all these gifts and I just, I want to put them out into the universe in a way that makes sense to people and that, um, that complements each other and just finding out what that is and, and my ultimate creative voice and how I can bring that to people and how I can mix all this media of what I do and really bring that to the forefront. That's like, I mean, I might be going through stuff personally and, and whatever, but really as far as the larger message goes, like for me, that's, I'm doing a deep dive right now. Like, how does this all make sense? How do I take all these different parts of who I am and make them clear to people so that when I do interviews like this, people don't go, Oh, you do music too. (laughs) Because, like, I've been doing music since I was, like, seven. How does everybody not know that? You know what I mean? Because that's completely 100% my fault. I have to own that because I'm... There's a part of me that's still resisting letting people know that I have all of these sides to me, um, and I'm working on it. So what would we see if you were... If you were owning your voice and your power to the the unstoppable level, what would we see? Like Beyonce, who writes books. (laughs) 
<laughs> nice. Yeah. No, seriously, like, it's crazy because we all, like, whenever I'm like, who am I really? Like, it's, I just watch Oprah and Beyonce videos. And I'm like, if you could just combine these two people, like, that's, it's really just where I want to be. But, uh-huh. I mean, we all want to be able to dance in seven-inch heels and sing at the <laughs> Super Bowl. But, like, hey, set your goals as high as you possibly can. And Oprah, you. who just, like, and can Oprah, create anything. And just can do whatever yeah. she wants. Yeah. So, my, just my role models this week. Well, Oprah, like, forever, but... <laughs> what's, the, this week, what's the thing that still... What's the thing that still scares you hmm. that you know is in your way? Oh, that I know is in my way. Hmm. So choices, right? Like it's all choices. And I used to have choice anxiety for a really long time. And like for me now, it's like pretty natural to make the right choice, but I'm not perfect at it. Like none of us are perfect at it. What's the right choice? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And you have a choice every single moment, which is what Mm -hmm. used to scare me. So I think there's part of me that's still like... um, resisting all the incredible choices that I have of like, you know, I could be living to my fullest potential all the time. There's a part of that for, I think everyone that's, that's a little frightening and hard to admit to yourself. But I know I've done a lot of the first steps and even acknowledging it every day. I'm trying to just bring myself closer and present the best version of me to myself first. That way I can bring it to interviews and social media and you know my family and my friends and everyone else because um I don't know it's just the more you resist I think the the bigger the monster becomes so like just doing it you find out it's not scary at all and also probably if it's something you're called to do you've been hearing that call and ignoring it for a really long time and so it's going to feel even better once you finally give into it so when we talk about like the thing you're called to do (laughs) so I'm a believer that the, I'm trying to think of just like the simplest words to use. So I'm a believer that our soul, our heart, God, whatever it is that you want to connect with, that's kind of a little bit separate from you, but within you Mm -hmm. never speaks first. Mm. I think that it actually always answers, Mm. but the voice that always speaks first, I'm a believer and I don't have to be right about this. This isn't like the truth is that that's your ego. That's the voice. It always speaks first because it actually never stops speaking. <laughs> it's constantly yapping. Yeah. And as we talked before, we were talking about um, being feeling broken. Yeah. And, and I said to you, oh, well, I still think I'm broken. Yeah. Like if I'm really honest and really vulnerable, yeah. yeah, because I'm not enough. Like I think, now I don't, if we get out of the space of my, out of the headspace, mm-hmm. I know in here I am. Right. Right. But... Up here, I'm not because that's the voice I hear all day long. Mm. Do more, work harder, or stop working and relax. Yeah. What? What? Or whatever accomplishment I have, there's well, what's the next one? Yeah. Or what didn't you get? That's the thing. It doesn't even have to show up as negative self-talk, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy. Sometimes it's just like you do the thing, and then you you don't allow yourself to be happy. You know what I mean? And then it's just what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And then it's like, why am I even doing the next thing? I did the last thing, and it didn't bring me any happiness. So yeah, there's parts of it that I can see why 
Um, if you're chasing these things that look like happiness, right? Accolades, even like families, relationships, like marriages, things like that. People get married and the next day they wake up and they're like, why am I not happy? Or I have to have a kid. Yeah. And I, have or, a, I have to get a house. Yeah. And then yep. we have to get like a vacation. Like there's always. Right. Yep. There's always the next thing. And like if you, and, and it never, that's never ending. And comparison is also never ending, right? There's always going to be, as long as you're comparing, it doesn't matter who or what you're comparing yourself to the comparison is the habit it's not what it's not like you putting yourself down that's the habit it's the act of comparison and so getting that getting a handle on what that means um, is really where like freedom lies nice so how do we know I don't know if you agree or don't agree it doesn't I mean for in the in the voice thing that I said mm-hmm. how do we know what to listen to like how do you know when you talked about choice anxiety mm-hmm. which is a a huge thing and whether people have it for like everyday little choices or it's just the big choices mm-hmm. people don't want to choose right. they'd rather like let life choose for them often than actually choose yeah so how do you know like for me i've discovered that it's not the voice that talks that's mm-hmm. not the voice to follow mm-hmm. that if i actually get quiet if i breathe if i ask a question and then get really quiet like i'll hear the answer mm-hmm. well that's when you i think people who are very spiritual people and who talk to God a lot are people who are able to remove ego, right? And then when you remove ego, it's easier to listen to your intuition. And that's why intuition is one of the steps in the wild method, because without it, without the willingness, which is the first step to, to be different or to acknowledge that like, hey, I'm holding myself back, which is a really difficult thing to mm-hmm. do. To say to somebody, I'm broken and I feel like I'm not enough, that's like really hard. To say that publicly in a podcast, to say that publicly mm-hmm. on a live anywhere is like very difficult. Most people aren't there yet. And so you have the willingness to know like, okay, this is what's holding me back. But then as far as making the next choice, you need to use your intuition. And the way you know your intuition is going to be working is because things will start aligning. There's synchronicities will be everywhere. I, it's so funny because I, yesterday I, um, I asked for a sign and then I like, (laughs) I just saw it. I saw it three times in an hour. It was a word. And I, I just like, I, I, we drove 45 minutes away and I, I'm eating something and I look over and it's on the back of this truck and it's just like, it's like, what, what? like this, it happens when you're aligned and the way to be aligned is to listen to your intuition rather than to listen to what's comfortable or what's easy or what you've been doing the whole time or what your habit is, what your harmful habit is, right? And every time you listen to your intuition, that's you're forming a new habit, new thought patterns, new neural pathways, new mental fitness techniques. Like you're just, you're doing what's good for yourself instead of doing what's easy. And that really ends up changing you it can't help but change you like you are only what you have done and experienced so far and so making a different choice next time and making the choice that maybe doesn't benefit you in the moment but has long-term benefits or is what you know you need to be doing right yeah I think that's a trap right we think about like the right now what do I need to do right now and there's nothing wrong with right now right now is all we actually but it's actually, I had a, I had a moment this past week with my coach and mm-hmm. he said to me, you actually don't have commitments. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? I have all these commitments. And he goes, no, you have a lot of wants. Mm. And I paused and I was like, well, what's wrong with that? Right? Like when we talk to people, it's like, what do you want? Right. And he said this brilliant thing. I mean, he's, he's a brilliant guy and he goes, your wants are just feelings. Yeah. And your feelings can change at any moment, right? right? Like if you get married because I feel something, 
then when you don't feel it, do you just leave? Right. Exactly. If you get married because it's a choice and it's a commitment, then when things get rough, you stick around. Right. Whether you know you've written two books, I told you I'm working on my first, <laughs> and you like it's not easy to write a book. Man, that's why it's so funny when people ask me about. It, I'm like, it is so much work, inner work. You know what I mean? Like not. It's a battle. Not even just the it's writing a, the 300 pages work. It's a that's actually inner, easy. Part. That's easy. It's an it's the inner battle every day of not only getting up and doing it, but of the introspection and the studying and the studying other people's work and then getting feedback from an editor. Like that alone, for most people, is very difficult for somebody to tell you. This whole chapter is fucking nonsense. We're taking this whole thing out, and you worked for like, <laughs> like two weeks on it. You know what I mean? What yeah. I mean? It's very the whole process is rejection from start to finish. Let me tell you. Um, and my friends who sold actually, what's funny is my friends who are New York Times bestsellers who sold like the most books got rejected the most because it's the ideas that are the most out of the box and and most innovative that publishers don't want to take a chance on. And so I think sometimes when you have some of the best ideas, you have to work the hardest to get. Get them heard. Like my my manuscript for Wild Habits got rejected like tw- by twenty publishers. Like it was, and it's one of the most successful books that my publishing company has, and it's only been out for a month yeah. and a half. And so for me, it's about like just proving to people that you are your message, and there's so many different ways to get that across. But like in that, you are your choices, and your choices lead to your actions, and your actions lead to your habits, and your action and your habits lead to. What your life looks like, and and same thing. I came to that realization. I was sick for the first time. I took the whole week off last week because I was sick for the first time in seven years. I never ever ever get sick, and I had to listen to my body. I mean, I've been on. I can't even tell you how like thirty seven airplanes this year. So I'm I'm very surprised it didn't happen sooner. <laughs> But um, I I finally had to. I took the whole week off, and it was so difficult for me because I'm so I'm just on this like. My habit is working every single day. Like I'll say, that's where I gain a lot of satisfaction. So it was very hard for me to to take a break and also to not.、Um, but I also had to accept that, like that's you know what, all my obligations are a choice. Did the world collapse because I took a week off? No, it actually didn't. And so,、um, and when I looked at my calendar, I'm like, I've created all this work for myself. No one's telling me to do any of this stuff. I've literally, I'm only doing this because I'm driven to do it. And I think that's actually where you find pure satisfaction. So there's nothing wrong with that. But knowing, like, that's when I had to explain to myself, whoa, okay, it's been seven years, and your ass has not taken a day off, never mind a whole week off, to just like. Decompress and process, and do what you have to do. And I'm still catching up, and that's a little bit of the frustrating part. But、um, is my world catching up? Not really. The world's kind of just like keep going. My business keeps going. Like it's nice that I've created these machines that can、yeah. move on without me. But it was that same realization of like I don't actually have anything to do other than the work I've created for myself. So like. Fucking chill, just chill for a little bit. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world if you're not saving lives every single day. Well, and you are anyway, right? Because、right? your work exists; it doesn't go away. Yeah, I mean, everyone might not, but even then, even that's like such a heavy 
burden to have on your shoulders, right? Like I have to save lives every day. <laughs> that's like why like, I wanted to not, do medicine. You're not Superman. Though. No, I know, but that's what I, that's what I really liked about biology and medicine. And when I was in, you know, the science field and stuff, because it was like I was. Even my last job, I tell people I analyzed asbestos samples for New York City public schools, and I don't know if people really think about what that means. What it means is. I analyzed the asbestos samples, and if they were positive, I called the public schools and basically said, shut this shit down and get all the asbestos out so these second-grade kids don't get mesothelioma. Yeah. Like, pretty much every job I've taken has involved, like, making a difference in someone's health for a while before I did this. And so I think that's what really, clearly that's part of what drives me. <laughs> well, and that's a cool, I don't, I know you talk about this, but that move that you made from, like, you know, the East Coast to the West Coast with basically no money. Mm -hmm. I'm not, for, let's, like the details aren't that important aside from the fact that you took a huge risk, mm -hmm. right? You had no money and you basically were like, I'm leaving my career and everything I know. Everything I every, know. Yeah. My whole family, everything, everyone I've ever met, everywhere I've ever lived. Yeah. Yeah. To do something completely different. That I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, I look, I know this because I have... I want to say half of my clients or even half the people I talk to, whether they're clients or not, they have this thing that they want that they like need to know how. Mm. So then nothing ever happens, right. right? I need to know how means you never get started. You're never going to do it. Yeah. Because, well, <laughs> if we knew how, you just Google it, right? right. Like, that's already the answers are there. If that yep. was the problem, it's actually how is never the thing. Right. So what's your advice for people that... Maybe they don't know what they want, but they know that where they're at isn't the spot. Mm. They, in, they know here isn't the place, but they don't know where, where there is. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do? So, I, you know, that's where the method comes back in, too, is like, so we talked about using your intuition. I think that's a huge part of it. Leading, seeing where that leads you. So, so many synchronicities started to line up for me once I started using my intuition, um, including like where I was going to live, how I was going to get there, where it was going to be. Right. So I even was going to take this road trip. And then if anywhere else really called to me on the way out there, I would have, you know, I was like, I'm just going to leave it open to stay just, to, you know, wh why not? I don't have any obligations in California. I just want to see what it's like. I'd never been to LA before where I was moving. I'd never seen the place I put, you know, money down on or anything. It was just about having an adventure. And I think that's once you start looking at it like I want to have a fucking life adventure. Like I don't want to just have a life. I want to have the best possible life. And the only way to do that is to open myself up to all these new and exciting experiences. And I think that's what if you're stuck, I mean, pick, first of all, picture the next year to five years if you don't change. I think that's really what what ended up getting my ass in gear was like, I cannot spend another winter here. For me, it was about getting out before yeah. November because it, <laughs> then I left October 18th. Like it was like, I just cannot do yeah. another winter here. I will get so depressed. I don't know how I'm gonna get myself to work every day. Like there's just no way. And I already had that in mind before like, not before I came off all my drugs, but while I was going through my withdrawal, while I was still making the decision to not go back on the drugs, there were things that I think when you make it an adventure and you keep your hope up and you just do what you're called to do rather than, you know, like if it scares you, that's what you should be doing. That's, I, went to a, uh, I went to a yoga class this morning and there were two classes and they were like, which one do you want to do? <laughs> and one was I did not want to do. 
Yeah. Like I was clear that wasn't the <laughs> Definitely one. Definitely not that one. And I joke because it's not really yoga. It's like yoga with weights. And like I always say, like it's like they tie baby dolphins to your limbs and make you do <laughs> yoga. It's not a, a yoga that you're like, this isn't yoga. And That's like the yoga I do at home. It's like part cardio, part fitness, part yeah, yoga. It's just not yoga. Physical it's therapy. Else. It's not yoga. No, no, no it's I would fine. never there's call nothing, it yoga. There's nothing wrong with it. So <laughs> I, I like say to the people at the counter, I'm like, which should I do? And they were like, well, and they started telling me, I was like, yeah, I didn't want the description. I just wanted you to <laughs> yeah, choose no, from me. That. And I was like, just let me do the regular like hot yoga class. Right. So I go, I fill up my water bottle. And as I fill up my water bottle, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't what you're committed to. Mm. You're actually committed to doing the thing that you don't want to do. Not the thing unnecessarily, right? It's not right. like, hey, I don't want to go play in the freeway. Well, that doesn't make any sense. There's nothing to gain from it. Right. I don't want to do that other yoga class because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't, I don't like know what it. it entails. It's weird. Yep. It's like all, you know, basically women that are half my size, like doing <laughs> jazzercise in this thing. It's just like not my comfort zone. Yeah. And I turned around and I was like, hey, can you guys switch me to the other class? And they were like, why? And I was like... Cause I don't want to do it, and it's I know the thing. Like everything's do it. <laughs> everything's on the other side of that, right? Like everything's on the other side. Thank God these women work just, in a yoga studio because if it. you ask yeah. those people why you want to sign them up for something, and the answer was because I don't want to do, do it, the one, yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, "Oh, they got it. Okay, yeah. oh yeah, they I'm totally sure they got did. It, yeah, right? <laughs> and they were like so happy. They're like, "Yeah, you're doing the." And yes. I'm like, I know, and yeah. I'm begrudgingly. That's the work, though. That's the work, mm -hmm. and that's the method, right? You had to be willing. You had to use your intuition. That was your intuition screaming yeah. at yeah. you, yeah. screaming at you, and self-love. That's the next step. Yeah. That's a self-loving decision. Is I'm going to do what's hard because it's going to challenge me, and it's at the end of the day, what's it going? It's going to make me a better person. Mm -hmm. What's the fucking worst thing that can happen? I feel like I have dolphins attached to my legs. Mm -hmm. Like, is that really so bad? <laughs> Well, they're with dolphins. Yeah, 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 there weren't real dolphins. That's so all good. Yeah, I'm not. And plus, they were real like, There were no real dolphins. <laughs> no animals were harmed in the making of my workout this morning. Um, Amazing. But I think that's the, like, that's what I hear in like what you're you're saying is, is knowing that the things that we want are on the other side of discomfort. Mm. They're on the other side of fear. Yeah. Because if they weren't, well, we'd already we have, have them. them. <laughs> Yeah, we'd have I, them already. Yeah. I had somebody um, had somebody say to me recently. Um, well, I'm gonna go try this. You know, we did this great conversation about their life and what they want. Mm -hmm. like, I'm gonna go do this myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it in the conversation. I thought about it this weekend. I was like reflecting on the conversation, and I had that thought that if we actually could do it ourselves, we would have already. Yeah. It's not to say that you're not capable or I'm not capable, but we have our own mental block. Mm -hmm. And that if we didn't have the mental block, we would have written the book, we would have yeah. made the movie, we would have written the song. And it doesn't matter who you are. Right. You know, I, I'm reading, um, do you know Tim Grover? Mm -mm. He he wrote a book called Relentless, Ooh. and he was so he was Michael Jordan. I love one word book titles. I'm always yeah. like, get it? How so, the hell did you get that one word book title? <laughs> so it's and there's like he has his catch like the you know it's like good to great, great to unstoppable. Oh, love so it. he was Michael Jordan's trainer for 15 years, trained Kobe Bryant, D Wade, and and his whole thing is this mindset. It's that the that's the only way you go from good to great, great to unstoppable is by continuing to go beyond what's comfortable, what's safe, what feels good. Right. Yeah. Because it's it's always this like the next and the bigger thing. Mm -hmm. But very intentionally. Yeah. 
right? It's yeah. Not- and I think that's why when I was growing up, I really liked doing musical theater and, and, and live performances and stuff because it's a very like do or die moment. You get up there and a spotlight's on you and people are watching you and you have to show up, you know, mm-hmm. when you play music or you sing or you do any kind of performance. And I think that really instilled discipline in me that I don't know where I would have gotten otherwise. And I think that's why it's very difficult for people to show up. I mean, it's very difficult for me anyway, and that was instilled in me from some of my first memories. And so um, when it's still, when I'm about to go on stage now, I have a book launch or something, and it's still hard for me. I remember, like, this is my childhood resistance. This is, like, the reason my grandma was like, you need to do this, because if you don't, you're going to be a very socially awkward person <laughs> that has no skills whatsoever. So just do it. And But it it challenged me as a kid and it still challenges me. And those are the things like if you're wondering what the next step is, like go back to what challenged you when you were a kid. Like there's a reason your parents made you take those piano lessons, even though you really didn't <laughs> fucking want to. Nobody wants to take the piano lessons. They are so boring. Like if your kid likes piano, my neighbor plays piano all day long. And I don't know if his parents force him to or what, but he's he was playing last night at 1030. And I'm like, I mean, I don't think they force him to. Like I wouldn't make my kid practice at 1030. And he's really, really, really good. He's like 10 and he's a prodigy. And I just sit out there and listen to him play classical music all day but for me it's like there was some point where that kid knew nothing about playing piano you know what I mean there's always a beginning point and if you don't keep at it you're never going to be able to be 10 and play Mozart's fifth you know two tempos (laughs) faster than I've ever fucking heard it like oh my god I mean he's he's like even you know everything is a discipline sports is a discipline but I think we don't we don't apply it to our everyday lives. Every choice is discipline. Where are you confronted right now where you know you're up against something mm-hmm. and you're like resisting it or you're shying away from it? I'm trying to do everything at once, right? So I'm working on an album, I'm writing my third book and I'm running this company and I think it's really just finding a balance between mm-hmm. doing all three. It's not so much that I'm resisting doing any of them. I think it's just I'm resisting. Sounds like you're resisting relaxation. Relaxing. <laughs> or like not doing Not something. doing them and also giving myself the time. You know, it's so funny because I, I kind of preach this, but it's really hard to live it of like, you're not going to be able to be as productive as you will if you give yourself the time to relax first and focus and take walks and take your mind mm. off of things. But I have a hard time practicing that because I'm so busy doing it that then it's the end of the day and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot to take a walk. I forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. And it's like, I didn't really. I just, I've made a habit out of working rather than a habit out of, and then self-care kind of comes afterwards and it hasn't always been like that it's just really been the last like few months that I'm working on a lot of stuff at once but Mm -hmm. it's weird because the basis of you know I'm really trying to come back to my roots of when this journey started and it was really just all about me like and because I think when you get focused on helping other people you lose time to help yourself and then you lose kind of sight of what you're doing so I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of nip that in the bud before it happens because I need to come back to self-care so that I can teach and have realizations about things that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise that then can help other people too. So the point is still to help other people, but I know I need to take care of myself first. And that shows up in so many different ways. Yeah, you're running around the airplane putting the mask on every single person. <laughs> Everyone. And then I wonder yeah. why I'm out of yeah. breath. Yeah, you probably put your mask on someone else. Yeah, you're yeah. out of breath. There's no mask. There's nowhere to sit. You My like, dog has a mask. Yeah, your dog took your seat. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Well, so. it's, it's, and that, God, I think that's, it's, it's so, it's so entrepreneurial, right? Mm-hmm. That we neglect ourselves. My, my analogy for the powerful entrepreneur life is like that you're a building mm-hmm. and that the entrepreneur is actually the foundation. 
And that if you have a partner, that could be like the beam that、mm-hmm. helps hold up the building. But I don't care how beautiful you build your thirty-sixth floor or your penthouse or the rooftop pool. If that foundation is weak,、mm-hmm. it all falls and crumbles, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you actually practice like taking care of you? Because it's the thing that's out. Yeah,、um, walks, walks with the dogs, baths, like time with people that I know are going to bring me joy, nourishment, like food. And I mean, there's days where I used to forget to eat. Like not now, but back in the day. And I don't、yeah. want to get back to that point where I'm. It's I get that three、yeah. p.m. and I'm like, shit, I haven't eaten since six thirty、mm-hmm. in the morning. You know, so、um, and I there's been days in the last few months where that's happened, where I'm just like, oh my god, I like I forgot to eat again, and I haven't done that in years. So I think that. That's when you really realize, like, and that's why I tell people too that it's、um, the wild method, especially like it's a practice that you have to do. It, like it becomes more automatic, but I think it's something you still need to take inventory of where you're at every single day because you can do these amazing habits forever、mm-hmm. and ever. And if AA taught me anything. Um, think of my mom being an alcoholic and going to Alateen meetings and stuff as a kid. Is that people can be sober for thirty years and then they relapse in a second?、Yeah. And so I don't want to work myself into the ground, have this whole foundation of self help, and then forget to take care of myself at the、yeah. end of the day because it's practically relapsing in a second. You know, well, so、yeah. it's. I mean, for what I do, either you know, it's it's not as bad as if I was going back to pharmaceutical drugs or whatever. But it's almost like. For what I do to not take that time is harmful to me and my business and everything else I'm doing. So、um, I'm just trying to find a balance and in, in taking that time again and kind of getting back to square one while also making sure the wheels are still turning on everything that I've built since square one, which、yeah. is no longer kind of an option for me. It's almost like my life is too big to fail right now. So I have to just like, you know, I got to keep the wheels on the wagon, but I also have to take care of myself in the meantime. So it's just it's just finding a balance and I, I like. Parents, like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. That's why I don't have kids yet, because it's just like let me. I gotta figure this out first, and then I can. That's actually a great transition, right? Like figuring, because it kind of wraps it up in the I'm broken. Yeah. So, the figuring there's, I think that there's nothing to actually figure out. Like、mm-hmm. I mean, I think there. It's like this dual thing, right? Like everything that we already are is here. Right. There's nothing to learn. There's nothing to get. It's、yeah. actually kind of to like pull it out of us. Right. Um. And get out of that mindset of like that we are broken because it's just made up. Right.、Uh, I was going to ask you something and I just lost it. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back.、Um, oh, can we talk about relationships? Can we take this、yeah. and lead into relationships? Yeah, yeah, we can. So one of the things you shared with me was, do is it like do you talk about? How much do you talk about relationship publicly? <laughs> Not much. I don't want to tell you your story. No, it's you. all good. No,、yeah. go for it. I mean, my engagement just ended. I've I've talked about that on、okay. a podcast or two, but I haven't gone into really the details of it. I think I'm going to work on a, a post about that, but we can talk about. Well, I would just I think because、yeah. just you said you know one of the things you shared with me was like two entrepreneurs、oh, together、yeah. become we are like workaholics or like we worked all the time. Oh yeah, we worked all the time. Yeah, and it, well, that was part of my my transition last few months too. Is like. How much do I actually want to work versus how much was I working because I was around somebody who was obsessed with working all the time? And how much have I taken on that、mm-hmm. isn't actually part of my personality? That maybe it's just these habits I've gotten into that have not allowed me to take the time for myself because I was in a relationship that we were both so focused on our businesses for so long that I didn't know. And I built my business while I was in this relationship, so I just haven't known any other way yet. And、yeah. so I think it's navigating what. 
what being an entrepreneur looks like without another entrepreneur there going like, hey, this is what it looks like, <laughs> you know? Well, and how do you, how do you actually differentiate? Because, I mean, now we're going not a back, back a second, but like how do you differentiate the difference between like habits and an addiction, right? Because you mm. can be addicted to work, oh, not yeah. you specifically, but I mean, we could be addicted to kombucha. Like, yeah. I mean, you can be addicted to anything. Now you're not, like, you're not going to be physically addicted to, th- to things like flowers, mm-hmm. like you might be to a drug, mm-hmm. but we can be mentally addicted to work, to our habits, to behaviors. And I think we don't see it that way, right? I, I'm addicted to my phone. Yeah. hundred percent. I do not have a healthy relationship with my cell phone. <laughs> yeah. It's just not, it's like, it's not what I want. And I'm actually like, I need to create some structures mm. to break that up. Well, we're talking, when we talk about addiction, we're talking about things that are harmful, right? I think that's the difference between habits and addiction is addiction are harmful habits that mm-hmm. have turned into repetitive, harmful habits that affect our life in a negative way. And so like, can you be addicted to water? Like not real. I mean, not. you can I mean, can, unless, unless you didn't go to work cause you couldn't get out of the bathtub. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. Maybe, or, yeah. you know, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you had to spend so much time in the bathroom that it really started to interfere with your life because you were drinking so much water. Like I really, you know, it's, it's unlikely until it's unlikely, yeah. like until it starts really damaging your life and affecting you harmfully. I don't think it's an addiction. I think we can, um, well is, is the, to go back now to relationships. Yeah. It sounds like it damaged, right? Like it was yeah, yeah. damaging to the relationship. Totally. So now how do you, you know, how do you do relationship now? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and look, we can all, well, I'll talk about this too. I am <laughs> um, working on it. Because <laughs> now you have this, you opened up this new thing and you could fill it with more work. Oh yeah. Totally. And I have a lot more time now, mm-hmm. right? Because, well, even if I you know, we're to get into another relationship. It's like, I'm not going to be living with a person and working with them. I'm not going to get myself into that situation immediately. So it's, it's completely different in that now I have this whole place to myself. Like I'm working from home alone for the first time without having someone else also there working from home alone, (laughs) pretending that that doesn't affect each other. Um, and then I think also just finding what, what that means. So I don't, I'm, that's something I'm still navigating of like, you know, it's very hard when you're an entrepreneur to explain what you do to people who don't do it. I think they don't get it. Or when you have to take a few months off or the whole day to go write a book for a few weeks and you're not sure what your schedule looks like and you can't commit to anything. Like it's people who don't have this life don't, get it and I think it's really it's, it makes dating a little more difficult because you have to explain to people like I was telling you before and people are like what do you do for a living I'm like well basically I talk about my childhood trauma so that I can help people get through what they're <laughs> yeah, going through like, right now your, like can, can I, I have your number yeah. <laughs> and you can talk yeah like I don't like what do I do I mean I there's a lot of things I do but that's basically <laughs> that's basically it I talk about my childhood trauma every day what do you do <laughs> um, yeah and nobody hears that and goes about wow, this person not crazy yeah well. like, even though you're not it's not like but if somebody imagine meeting someone in a grocery store i'm like what do you do and you're like yeah. i talk about my childhood trauma all day you'd be like oh, i don't how do you follow that well if, yeah like well you must have your shit together because you don't seem like you're falling apart so and then also it creates this perception that i have my shit totally together about everything which is like that's not the case 
yeah. either. Like, I'm the first person to say, like, I don't have my shit together. I mean, not that I don't have my shit together. I think I have it together more than 99.9% of people I know. But there's growing room for everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would love to be more organized and cleanly and have more time for, like, buying furniture and things like that. Like, I would love to have more of a balance in my life, but also like I only have one life. And so if I want to spend it creating as many beautiful things as possible and helping as many people, and sometimes there's just not time to do the dishes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or date or like, you know, it's just, I mean, and, and I don't know if I'll, it's not that I'm not, but it's just, and, and I don't have a social life, but it's just that like, I um you I've do, been wait, you do or you I don't? do have a social life ish. <laughs> like I don't have a social life. <laughs> I've been pushing myself to have more of a social life. Well that was yeah. another part of, of about working is that I realized like we didn't do anything. Our whole relationship, we never like did anything fun because we were just focused on work the whole time. And so I'm trying to give myself more of those experiences. And then because I'm so uncomfortable with them because I haven't done them in years, I'm also, you know, overcoming obstacles and barriers that are I never really thought I'd have to. It's it's cool that you just kind of like unpacked that. Mm -hmm. Oh, he didn't like that. Um, <laughs> what is it really? But uh, because I think one of the things we talked about before we started was actually the the deception between what people see online yeah. and what really is. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I think what I'm, so much of this conversation for me is about who you really are mm -hmm. and the life you really live mm -hmm. and the challenges and the struggles. Like everything you've talked about, aside from the fact that you have a house and food that you can feed yourself with. Like, Dude, when you, I moved out here, I was on food stamps. But, like I have $200 yeah. of, of food a month and I had to make it but last, even, yeah, right? Yeah, and even now though, your basic <clears throat> needs are met right. now, which is... I'm going to make the assumption that most people listening to this or watching this on social media or on a podcast, their basic needs are met. Because right. if you're listening to a podcast and your basic needs aren't met, you probably you might not want to be spending money on, the, on your internet or your cell phone bill and right. get some food. Um, yeah. But the thing I think that we neglect is that everybody's got stuff. Mm -hmm. Like no one is perfect. I don't care who you are, how successful you are. Yeah, your money might be handled, your right. home might be handled, right. but your relationship can be out. Yep. Your well-being can be out. There's something for everyone, your, your anxiety, your ability to sleep, whatever. Yeah. And that we never actually, that doesn't mean we're broken. No. It's just the thing that we're like still growing or working on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think our brokenness comes from a feeling of unworthiness, which comes from whatever that is for you personally. But but, but those are the challenges we have to get over every single day is face, not only facing the unworthiness, but then working on tools and techniques and, and some of the life hacks, like the ones I provide in, in the book, that, that can actually get us over them so that we're not... Like I think a, a lot of people commit to something very short term and then three months later they wonder how or where or why they fell off the wagon and it's because you didn't have the right tools and techniques to assess what you needed to do when you needed to do it every single time. And that's where our true power lies. We can be whatever the fuck we want. I mean, I think that's so beautiful. Like that's... There's no such thing as brokenness. Like, I was told I was broken. I medicated myself for being broken. Doctors, professionals, like my yeah. family, everybody believed this. And, and I gave into it for so long. But I feel like every single day I wake up and I don't need to take a pharmaceutical pill. And I don't need to see a psychiatrist. And I don't need to see a doctor. And I'm living my wildest dreams. Not only things that I wanted to do, like 
that I had dreams about when I first moved out here, those happened in two months. I mean, I was playing live music at the House of Blues like four months after I moved out to California. And then I was like, oh, now what do I do? <laughs> like, well, that was like one of my big dreams. So what do I do now? And it's like, and now I have to ask myself that pretty much every single day because I just keep hitting these goals and milestones, which is amazing. But like, that's that's not even where true happiness comes from. Like where I was talking with you before about, you know, why to do it. I think a lot of people think that successful people want to do it for the accolades. But for me, it's like I could, I wrote my last post on Instagram is about how like when I modeled, you know, I was on the cover of magazines and the faces for all these brands and stuff, but it never brought me happiness because it wasn't about the larger intention of how I truly felt and what I was doing. Now when I get featured in Forbes and it's about something I care about, man, am I fucking stoked. And I'm so excited to show everyone. And like, and it's not about like bragging. It's about seeing your dreams come true and then proving to other people that their dreams can also come true. And I didn't come from anything. I don't have any family money. I didn't, I mean, my mom, like we talked about, was a drug addict and she didn't have anything. I grew up with food stamps as a kid and she worked these odd jobs and got paid under the table. And like, you know, I, I nobody is broken and we all have the chance to start over every single day. It's never, ever, ever too late. Can you run through, I don't, it might be too much, so you tell me. Can you run through the habits, like, in the book? Like, the, can you bullet point them or no? Is Ooh, it, is the it, good habits? Yeah. Um, like, taking a walk, calling your friends and family who put you in the best possible mood, like reading a new book, um, which if you're already reading Wild Habits, you're already doing that, so <laughs> congratulations. Um, spending time with, like, animals, spending time with things that bring you the most joy, like, Doing things that you know make you happy, getting out in nature, like going to the beach, doing going to a walk somewhere, you know, planning a picnic somewhere new, even if it's at a new park. Like these things yeah. don't have to cost you money. Yeah. You know, there's things um, you can do that definitely do cost you money. But I, I would say get back to what brought you joy as a child, right? Like when's the last time you painted? When's the last time you just like hung out with your friends and painted? And you all just like left your shit and whatever. Like the last time Tim Ferriss was here, we literally just sat at my kitchen table and like drew together for like hours. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. Like I, this is so cool because it's like you're disconnected and you're just like doing mm. what comes naturally, what you want to be doing with no pretense and like no, you know, situation, mm. no alcohol involved. Like nothing, just let's just sit and draw and paint and like, See what happens, you know what I mean? I think it's, yeah, it's like, I think of it as, it's kind of, I think of the things, like I know my five or ten things that get me back, I want to say to like who I really am. Yeah. That who I am at my core. They, it's not they don't make me like falsely happy right. or put me in this like weird, like alternate, like fake state. Mm -hmm. They actually kind of quiet the the demons. Yeah. And bring me back to that heart-centered space. So, mm -hmm. like, for me, I know if I'm, like, prepping in the kitchen. Just, like, give me a cutting board and a ton of vegetables. We don't even have to have a result. <laughs> just that, that like, meticulous yes. act of, of prepping. And if you put music on, it's even better. Right. Yeah, listen to music. That's why I show, like, those dancing videos and stuff on Instagram, my Instagram stories. I'm not, like, a very good dancer. It's just to show you <laughs> that, like, this is what this makes is me happy. Do. This is my form of therapy. And also, like 
by the way, doctors told me for years I would never be able to do most of these things, that I couldn't do a handstand or do yoga or yeah. dance or like do hip hop or do isolations. And so when I can do them, it's almost like a, and it doesn't come from like an F you to doctors. Like that doesn't, saying fuck you to somebody doesn't bring me any satisfaction. Yeah. It's about proving myself wrong because doctors told me it and I believed it and therefore I didn't yeah. do it. And I held myself back for such a long period of time. But like, why did I do that when I could have just been doing the opposite and actually healing my body and doing things that bring me joy? It's a great, this is so, I just, the podcast that I did that came out today was all about how you can succeed when you're suffering from chronic pain. Mm. So a really good friend of mine, she's missing like six plates in her back. Mm. And yet she's a mom, she does yoga, she's married, she runs two businesses as an entrepreneur. Wow. And yet she has this pain. And mm -hmm. so the, we, we created a conversation around how do you actually do that, right? Because there's millions of people struggling with chronic pain that some, it, it just might be the way it is forever. Yeah. It's not necessarily about fixing the chronic pain. For her, it was really about who am I going to be in despite the chronic pain. Right. In, from yours, it's a lot more of the mental, mm -hmm. right? Like the, the physical was a component of it. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what would you leave people with that are, like that idea that I'm broken, mm -hmm. I don't actually need to heal it. Yeah. Like, I don't actually think it's wrong or it needs to go away. Mm -hmm. I think I just need to quiet the voice. You need to recognize it, I think. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. I think what I would leave people with is start taking inventory of what you believe and how that's holding you back and why you believe it, right? It's about the why and, like, going back to where it started. Even if you want to do a meditation, I'm just like, okay, when's the first time I felt this and why? And Because that'll give you perspective on how you've carried it through these however many years it's been since it first began. And I don't think people really, you might remember that immediately or like even be able to delve into it. But I think even taking a meditation to delve into it more and just really being honest with yourself about how those beliefs have held you back. Like that's how I've gotten over a lot of them. You know, we all have like resistance and, and certain feelings of unworthiness or we all would be Oprah, and I'm sure Oprah even wants to be better than she already is. So yeah, and I'm sure Oprah she has, has it too. Something too, right? She must, something. or she wouldn't have weighted. You know, she wouldn't yeah. have like weight battles and stuff like that. And she's been very open. You know, she's yeah. gone through sexual trauma, and she's been very open about um, how that's affected her life. But like, none of us are perfect, and it shows up in different ways. And I think like to recognize that we're all divine, we just have to tap into that divinity about whatever that looks like. And I can't purport to tell people what it is, but that's why I invented a method to make it clear that no matter what it is, if you do these four steps, like you'll get it. And if you don't ignore it and you continue to, to do things that you know are in your best interest because it makes you a better person, like the world is yours. I love the vulnerability in it because we think of, you know, vulnerability as this like I don't mean you and me, but like people in general, we think of vulnerability as like a weakness, right? Yeah. But it actually requires and what you're describing. It took like for Oprah to be Oprah. If we didn't know about Oprah's life, we would think of Oprah differently, right? Right. If we didn't know uh, this, you, if we didn't know your story, you wouldn't have a story. Right. Like it actually requires you to tell this thing that for probably a lot of years you were embarrassed about, you had a ton of Nobody stuff around. Nobody knew that my mom was a heroin addict. Yeah. Nobody knew I went through any of this. Maybe three of my friends for my whole life knew yeah. and my family knew, but it was yeah. very much like, don't tell anybody your business. Yeah. I grew up in a very small town and I went to a very small church. Like it was very much like, mm -hmm. it was 
a story that I was ashamed about rather than something that I ever thought I could use to make the world a better place. And so, you know, knowing that those things really have a purpose in everyone's life if you choose yeah. to use them. Well, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about is if everybody doesn't need to go write a book and everybody doesn't need to have a show and everybody doesn't need to actually be running around like trying to help people that's not it's not the right way to live your life it's not in everyone's you, yeah, capability uh, it will well, really run you into the ground if you're not the kind of person that really sure. thrives off of doing it i've seen it ruin people because they you know they take marie forleo's class or, or gabby bernstein's class mm -hmm. and they want to like be those people but they're not it's not that you're not cut out to be yeah. those people that i'm sure they also struggle with what they do helping people as well but it's just like it doesn't come well, every, naturally to people yeah. to everyone you know well, I think that it doesn't actually, everybody doesn't have to be you or me or Gabby Bernstein or Tony Robbins or Oprah or right. the inspirational guy that packs your bags at the grocery store. Yeah. Everybody's going to have a different path and a different journey, but there's something in, it just made me wonder listening to you, if all of us were actually willing to share our things that made us vulnerable. Like if we were actually, whether you were a teacher or a newscaster or the guy that packs the groceries, mm -hmm. if your secrets weren't your secrets. Yeah. Like your biggest fears were actually just like laid out and your and the things that happened to you were laid out because we actually knew that there was somebody else that it would serve or yeah. someone could help you because of it. Yeah. Or even just think, I mean, I would say, since we're talking about dating before, I would say one of the number one things I have noticed about dating for the first time in a long time is that people always comment about how vulnerable I am. And I, and it's, I think it's attractive to people in a weird way that you can, cause they can trust you. Like if you're, if you're willing to talk about the worst things that ever fucking happened to you, you're probably not hiding anything, right? <laughs> so, and I think that to me is like the larger message of if you stay vulnerable, you have no choice but to be honest with yourself. And then you become more vulnerable and then that actually attracts people to open up to you. And then that's another way to help people too. And so it's vulnerable is my word of the year, man. <laughs> that's, that has yeah. for sure summed up at least the last six months because I've just stayed open when I could have been really bitter and really like angry and really whatever. And I've just been like, you know what? I'm not going to take this one situation that's happened and project this onto anything else that's going on in my life. I'm going to deal with it weirdly kind of probably compartmentally, but also, but, but it's going to allow me to not carry it into other things that are going on in my life. And I definitely, if anything, I've used it as a lesson to just be more vulnerable and honest and open. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, since I wasn't taking notes, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to kind of cue these up, but, okay. um, all right. If you, there's some random thoughts. Okay. So if you could have a movie about your life, Ooh, yeah. what would it be called? Ooh, that's a good question. It's quick, right? I'm not giving you, she, she doesn't, she didn't know this was going to. I didn't know any of these. First of all, <laughs> let's just be honest. I didn't know any of these questions were going to happen. So. I didn't, I didn't either. So, <laughs> um, oof. I'm not sure. You don't have to take it back. I'm not I mean, sure. So, no? You don't want to no, throw I don't know. I don't okay. want to throw something out there. Okay. I really don't know. That's a, I have thought okay. about that before, yeah. but I really don't. I actually don't know yet. But I'll, if I can think okay, of one. Okay, who would play you? Hopefully me. Okay. <laughs> hopefully me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Would you write it? I would love to write it. Yeah. I would love to write it. Yeah. Who would play me? <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you. <laughs> I'm not an actor. I don't want to be <laughs> And what's really funny is like, I wish I could think of some handsome actor you look Thanks. like, but I'm like so <laughs> far away from that world that I actually can't. Thank so you. some handsome actor you look like. Okay. How many, um, 
At the end of your life, how many books do you want to have written? Ooh, more than Isaac Asimov, which I think he wrote like <laughs> like uh, like five hundred or something. You want to write more than five hundred books? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I tell people that after one of my biggest goals is to write ten books, ten books, but a book a year for ten years. Ooh, I like uh, that. So as soon as the first one, it's like that's kind of when the clock starts. When the yeah. first one is published then the cl- it's one a year for well he didn't years. write like 500 books but between like his books his articles and like everything so I've written okay. a lot of articles already yeah. like if I can go through and read I mean it's probably yeah. already hundreds of, like over 150 at this point so when I say 500 like I want to contribute a lot of writing yeah. to the world whether it's in a scientific journal or you know it's in a book or whatever but I do want to write a lot of books like I would like to have a Deepak Chopra amount of books under my belt by the time I... And he didn't... I don't think Deepak wrote his first book till he was in his 30s. And Wayne Dyer didn't write his first book until he was 30. So... And my first book came out when I was 29? Now I just feel bad about myself. <laughs> um, so if you could sit down with one person and help them, somebody that actually... Like a, like somebody that people know, like not a rent. Somebody who, you know, probably needs help or needed help. Ooh. Who would be that person? Um... The president? <laughs> Can I help the president, please? I, I, He's not doing hey, but, a good job. But, but you're, it, it doesn't, regardless, you're allowed to say that's the person you want to help. Like, that's awesome. Thanks for being honest. Can I help him? Yeah, Can somebody help him? All right. One, um, if you could create a, uh, an album Ooh. that was somebody compared to an album that came out before you. What do you mean? Like, oh, like what? this album, remi- like if... Okay, so like if I was a rapper and I put out an album, I would want somebody to be like, this was like The Chronic. Like, like that kind of, like this reminds us of, I'm not a rapper. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> that will never be said about me. Sgt. Pepper, I think, and not because of whatever the most, the fact that it's the most iconic Beatles album of all time pretty much, yeah. but I think because it was so experimental and unexpected and people yeah. were like what the f is that they've been they've been making pop music and they're doing what <laughs> right now so i think yeah just something that people are like "Ooh, i've never heard anything like this before even though i feel like i've already heard everything nice all right yeah. and the last one just came to me and i feel like it came and it's a it's it's a lot heavier so okay. and Ooh. it's not usually the way i would end like a, a conversation uh how do you or do you do the work to actually like forgive your parents, your grandparents? Like, how do you do that? Oh, of course I do. So yeah. I have a very good relationship with my mother at this point. We're like BFF. And I have a very good relationship with my, my grandmother and my family. And, um, you know, I use the method. It's crazy. I had to be willing to recognize that this was very toxic. And I, I wanted better in my life. And then I needed to use my intuition to figure out what that meant, which in my case was just showing them what I wanted to receive. Maybe not always getting it back, but just, you know what? Same with vulnerability, just staying vulnerable. Of Like, I don't care about rejection. Um, Loves, that's part of love and the self-love is like just not giving a shit if people are, if you say I love you to somebody and they don't say it back or you show love to someone and they don't show it back. Like, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for me. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm doing this because I become a better person every time I do it. And I don't care if you become a better person every time I do it. And then the discipline to just do that every time, no matter what was being said, no matter how many triggers or buttons were being pushed or whatever, which was not easy for many, many years. But um, 
but I'm really, really glad that I did it and I took the time because it's repaired so many relationships in my life that were so broken for so long and it's worth it. It's 100% worth it to forgive. You don't have to move on, although that helps. But, <laughs> and, it, and I feel like moving on happens naturally when you really when you have for, forgiven yeah, someone. Yeah. You re- it really does. Well, I think it's people get, in the world we live in, people get so tied up on like, this person did something to me, so like, why should I forgive them? So what? And well, I think what you, what you said is actually <laughs> yeah. brilliant because it's the, you're not forgiving them for them. You're forgiving them for you. Yeah, like, forgive them for yourself. You don't get to move on until you've forgiven them. It's yeah. not about like, hey, that thing they did is fine and okay. It's actually about, I think forgiveness is about letting something go. It's about mm-hmm. taking that like energetic dead body off your shoulder and putting it down so yeah. you're lighter moving forward. And I, I wrote about my gaslighting experience on my blog um, last year. And I saw how my, I had a gaslighter, this girl I knew 10 years ago. And and basically just spent 10 years like hating on me. And I saw how that actually affected her and affected her mental health and mm-hmm. what she was able to do. And I was just like, that was actually an example to me of like, I cannot become somebody that does this because it's just, it's not, it's gonna affect you physically. If you are hurting somebody mentally or attempting to, or you can't forgive somebody for something or you cannot move on despite yeah. the fact that they have forgiven you and themselves, like. That's going to age you. That's going to give you illness. That's going to like really affect your life in ways that are making it hard for you to do what you're put here to do. Like every time you waste time hating someone, you're that's another minute that you were not focused on doing what you need to be doing for yourself. And so really at the end of the day, if you do it for no other reason, it's because it's a fucking humongous waste of time to not forgive people. <laughs> a huge waste of time. Thanks. Thanks for... Um... Thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for co-creating the conversation. Like... You know, I'm very intentional about, I don't want to decide how this is going to go. Right. I really want to co-create it with the person I do this with. Yeah. So thanks for the the willingness to do that. Thanks for the bravery, I want to say, that it actually right. takes to not know what's going to happen. <laughs> to, to We actually just did life, right? Yeah. Like We didn't know what was going to show up. We talked a little bit about, yeah. so we weren't just like wandering in the dark. Right. <laughs> but we didn't really know how it was going to unfold. Yeah. But thanks for the vulnerability, the the... I'm just present with you to the real. It was the thing. I mean, we talked about this the first time we talked. I yeah. was like, man, she's she's real. She's honest. She's coming from her heart, but not leaving the head out of the conversation. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just present. Like you, you, the head is still there. It's not like just all woo woo spirit. <laughs> like there's, it's real and practical. Yeah. And my, you know, I I know that when you do like a book signing, it's like mostly women that are lined <laughs> up. But I think that's the thing that people are feeling or seeing, because that's the thing I get from you, mm-hmm. is just this realness that like, hey, this person is killing it, yeah, and yet still has stuff. And everybody watching has stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want everyone to know that I've got stuff. Everyone, Oprah's got stuff. Tony Robbins has got yeah. stuff. We've all got stuff. You know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. got stuff. I think it's just... It's when people are willing to say, I'm not perfect and I've got stuff and I don't have all the answers, but I have some of the tools that have helped me and changed my life and helped other people. Like those are the real gurus. And that's why I really, I hope and aspire to to not only preach it, but live it. So thank you for acknowledging it. And thank you for doing the same. Thanks. I see you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. 
I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves. Just can't stick my